The following is a presentation of Renfrew Baptist Church, a community of faith that exists to create obedient followers of Jesus Christ who love God and love people. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. Kind of go there. It's in the New Testament near the end. It's always okay. For some of you, you are going, where is First Peter? Look in your table. If you don't have your iPhone, look at your table of contents. It's okay to look. That's why they put it there. They don't expect all of us to know exactly where in the Bible every chapter is. It's okay to use your table of contents. Get familiar with your Bible. First Peter chapter 1. Uh, let me just talk a little bit, but I want you to, to have that First Peter 1 open because we're going to highlight different things. Uh, we're, we're actually going to go verse by verse, uh, kind of in sections. But I, I want to give you a little bit of background just so that you're aware. This book, First Peter, was, as Paul said, it was written to strangers. It actually uses the word aliens scattered abroad. It contains, and this is one of those cool things, this is why the Old Testament is incredibly value, valuable. Don't ever just go into the New Testament and go, here's where all the exciting ha things happen. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus comes. Jesus died. This is awesome. He, he rose from the dead. Then we kind of look at Paul's writing and we kind of forget about the Old Testament. First Peter contains 35 references to the Old Testament. Which is really cool because what it does is it just keeps pointing that Jesus was in God's mind and in God's intent all the way in the Old Testament. So Jesus didn't, didn't pop into the scene. He just didn't, oh look, here's Jesus. We needed a savior. God was going, I'm pursuing mankind. I'm looking for a solution for mankind. And when Jesus came, he was that solution. It was written... Prior to Nero's attack on Christians in about 64 AD. So that kind of gives you a frame of reference. Peter, of course, since it's 1 Peter. Peter was the author, as stated in the early part of the letter. It was written to confirm the doctrines that these people had already been taught. So it's almost like a review, which is good for us. Because it's not going to illuminate some, some things that we're like, wow, this is brand new. But it's going to cement some things that we kind of slide away from. It was written as a circular letter. So what a circular letter was, was one group of people would get the letter. Then they would read it. They would make notes of it. And then they'd pass it to another group of people. Kind of like text messaging way back when there was no phones. So this group would get it, they'd hand it to this group, they'd hand it to another group, it went around. So it could take years to actually get to all the different churches that, that Paul or Peter would necessarily want it to go. Remember, those guys would work together at different times. Churches, the, the, the people, it was actually five provinces in Asia Minor where this letter actually took root. Here's an interesting note. Because of their conversion to Christ, these people had been alienated or kicked out or were strangers from their culture and their former friends. So they accepted Christ. Their families would boot them out, push them to the side. They'd have no friends. So these aliens, these 
individuals would be all by themselves, Paul's writing to them. Paul uses these words in 1 Peter. They were living as outcasts in a familiar land, which is interesting. Sometimes when we go on vacation, even if we went into Canada, certain parts of Canada, or into the United States, we can feel like aliens. I can remember a time when I was in Atlanta. Michelle and I were in Atlanta. It was about 65 degrees. Everybody was wearing parkas. They had toques on. We're in shorts, sitting on the subway. In, in, in Atlanta, we were the minority sitting on the subway, on the MARTA train. And, and at that time, you can kind of feel like you're aliens. When we've been to Brazil, we can feel like we're, we're aliens, And so these people are feeling like, man, this is all familiar stuff. The people that we see on a regular basis, the stores that we visit on a regular basis, this is all familiar, but we don't fit. The theological emphasis of 1 Peter chapter 1 and 2 and 3 is really an ecclesiology. There's a fancy word. It's a Bible school word. An ecclesiology is just this. What does it believe? What does it teach about who Jesus is? It provides believers a self-understanding for the outworking of their salvation in a hostile society. Really, that whole sentence there, that fancy sentence I just gave you is, how do we actually live this out? And so 1 Peter is going to be very valuable for us. Because what we're going to do is we're going to go, it's not just about accepting Jesus years ago, And then just kind of living life as it comes, it actually is, we accepted Christ years ago. How are we actually working out our faith today, and what does that look like? We're going to learn three things. Here comes the three things. The gift of salvation this morning is found in Christ. It gives us hope. That's a key word. When you think of evangelism, I actually want you to start to think of that word. How are we giving hope to a world that does not have hope? The second, the gift of salvation demands us to be holy. It demands us to be holy. It's not an idea, a a good suggestion. It demands us to be holy. And then the, the gift of salvation demands us to be grateful. All right, so let's jump into it. Grab your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 1. We're just going to kind of walk our way through. Here's the, the very first one. It gives us hope. We're going to look at verses 1 through 9. So let me read those verses. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, to God's chosen, strangers in the world. Those those words are in competition with each other. Scattered through the five, five places. We won't try to say those. Who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and the sprinkling by His blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Look at verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter's just kind of going, do you remember the story of God? Do you remember the story of Jesus? And into an inheritance that can never perish, can never spoil, it'll not fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. 
In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little. Here's Peter kind of reminding them, it's okay. Though now for a little, while you have had, uh, have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by the fire, may be proven genuine and may, be, it may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him, now you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Well, let's just keep your eyes kind of on there. We'll keep pointing back to, to different pieces of it. We move from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive. So that those two far dynamics, spiritually dead, we have no hope. Spiritually alive, we have all kinds of hope. Could you imagine living a life without hope? Now think for a second on that. Don't just kind of discard that. Could you imagine how much of your day actually involves hope? Some of you have looked at your weather app on your phone and you see that Wednesday and Thursday it's supposed to be minus 19. And you are going, I sure hope it's not that cold. Some of you are hoping that Matt gets done at a certain time so that you can go to Swiss Chalet or wherever you go. Some of you are hoping that the church has a certain amount of heat in it. Because the last time you were here, it was cold. Our whole world involves hope. If you didn't have any hope, could you imagine that? I hope the sun will shine tomorrow. What happens to people who don't have hope? They, they die. Listen to how Peter describes this gift of salvation. It's going to be a theme through, through 1 Peter. It's an inheritance that can never perish. It never spoils. It never fades. I love this. It's kept for us. Inheritance are never bad, especially when they come from Christ. Just listen to what Ephesians chapter 4, 13 through 14. You don't need to turn there. Let me just read it for you. And you... Talking to us, we're also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a, a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. We're God's possessions. Salvation gives us that opportunity to actually move into being heirs with Christ. But then greater than that, we become a possession of, of who God is. Not a possession that suddenly becomes a robot, but a possession where you go, man, I'm proud of that. Some of you have struggled this week because your car is incredibly dirty. And you're like, my possession doesn't look the way that it should. Well, God in his same way is going, you're my possession. You're not looking the way that I would love for you to, to look at. Jeremiah 29, we know this verse in verse 11, but I, I want you to hear verse 12 and 13 and 14. 
They're just as valuable. The verse that we all know is, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. But then the author continues and goes, you will call on me and come and pray to me. And here's the promise. I'll listen to you. Then the author continues to go, you will seek me. And find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you. Do you catch that that promise? God's not this elusive God who you are kind of going, man, I can never find him. God is like the song that that we, we sung this morning where he's going, I will be found by you. I'm not going to be hidden by you. I'm not going to be hard for you to find. The inheritance that God talks about is not in riches. It's that God listens to us. He can be found by us. And when we actually find him, he unleashes the plans for us, which are perfect. The gift of salvation that that 1 Peter talks about is, is hope in our current situations. Whether it's a situation that's in your life or in our families or in our church's life. I love this word that, that, that Peter used. Inexpressible and glorious joy comes as you pursue your relationship with Christ. You know, we're, we're pursuing a relationship that's not based or dependent on, on what you and I can see. And sometimes we just go, this is all I can see. No, it's not just dependent on that. It's on the hope of Christ. Look down in your Bibles at, at verse 12. This is a great kind of segue in verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you, but they spoke of the things that have now been told by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit that was sent from heaven. Then don't go past this little. Even angels long to look into these things. Even the people that hang out with God on a regular basis still long for these things, still get excited about these things. The second one, the gift of salvation in Christ demands us to be holy. Look at verse 13. We're going to read to verse 17. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace given to you when Jesus is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Just paraphrase that verse a little different because sometimes when we hear obedience we're like oh it's like what i demand of my kids to make their bed that that's not the obedience god's talking about here when you tag it with the word ignorance you didn't know these things so you were doing things that weren't of god now that you know these things you are compelled to do the right things Not out of obedience, not because God told us, but because you're going, I have seen who Jesus is, my life is changed, I can't do anything else. You see, when we start with the the word of God and we bathe ourselves in God's word, we spend time in God's word, it doesn't create a set of behaviors for us. What God's word does for us is it builds a theology, And our theology is what actually grounds us. All of us have a theology. Some of us at different times will have a a funky theology where we're like, oh, God's a God with lightning bolts. That's not God. 
That's not the God that we read. Our, as we read God's word, it builds a theology. Coming out of our th- theology, it actually builds an identity where we start to go, man, I see myself in God's word. Like, I actually see, see people who look like me. Man, I'd be like Jonah. Where, why God? Why are you sending me? God would need to get me three times. I'd be like Peter, going, really God? I'd be like the rich young ruler. We start to see ourselves in God's word. We start to identify with it. And the interesting thing is, with God's word, it actually starts to implicate us. Not in a bad way. We don't feel guilty. But in a way where we feel like, wow, this is what God's word says. I need to do this. I need to move to this place. And then coming out of that identity and implications, we actually develop a way of life. And if you want me to to make a, a commentary about the North American Christian, it's simply that we don't have a way of life. We have good ideas. We have not implemented anything into our way of life. A way of life goes like this. You know what? Every morning I'm going to get up early because I need to spend time with my father. Who did that? Jesus. When Jesus walked on the earth, he went, I'm going to keep looking everywhere because all around me are people who need a savior, and I've actually got the answer. A way of life actually goes like this. I'm going to value the things that God values. A way of life goes, this is going to be how I treat my family. Not, well, it's a good idea. If you don't believe me, here's the easiest way that that you can do this, and I'll just say it from my life. I care deeply about people who don't know Jesus. But if you looked at my daytimer from December, how much time was spent with people that don't know Jesus? It's a good idea. I would even go, maybe I'd even say it's a core value, except it's just not happening in my life. But if the Oilers are on, we, we stop. I've got an app on my phone that's connected to my uh, TV that is in my bedroom that has a sling box on it. I can watch the Oilers anywhere because I can control my TV on my phone. There's a lot of work that I had to do to do that. I had to read an instruction manual. I had to put in cords into my TV. I had to make sure it worked. And so for me, I go like this. Man, I care about this. And this is just a good idea over here. And so for us, that's not for us to feel guilty. It's just this pursuit in Matt's life of going, how do I create a way of life that every morning, it's not ritualistic, it's not routine-based, it's just this is the way that I live my life. Paul talks about this, this, this call, I mean Peter, this call to live holy. We hear that word, what does it mean, holy? Well, here's what the definition is from a dictionary, and it's a good one. It'll help us. Holy means to be sacred, to be set apart, to be different. The word holy, or or hagios, emphasizes that there's a separation from something that has or will be a part of our life. Holiness is living a life that is pleasing to God. John chapter 8, verse 11, uh, Jesus said this, Go and sin no more. Well, great, Jesus. How do we do that? When he was looking at his disciples, he said, this is a life change. In what ways are you and me different from the world? 
A holy life that's grounded in God's wisdom under God's direction is a life that's marked by peace, joy, and assurance. A holy life is in complete harmony with God's plans with each of us. Look at verse 13 again. Therefore, prepare your minds. I love this, be self-controlled. The question here for me this week was just this. What controls you, Matt? Are you controlled by the world? Are you controlled by tradition? Are you controlled by family? Are you controlled by circumstances? As Christians, we need to be controlled by the Holy Spirit at all times. So who or what controls the decisions you make? How do you react to difficult situations? Do you act in a controlled way or do you fly off the handle? Are you prepared? Are you self-controlled? I love verses 14 through 16. It sounds so simple. Be obedient children. It's like two children functioning as obedient children without arguing, fighting, or being selfish. Are children obedient most of the time? Sure. But when they slip up, they always need an adult to remind them. Well, how, how do we do this when we're 45 years old? What does, what does that look like? How do we live a life that's holy? Well, one of the things that we're reminded of is we need to not go back. For some of us, do you remember what you were like before you were a Christian? Don't go back. Those old ways is, the why, is why Jesus had to die for your sins. But for some of us, this one will be more important. We need to be like Christ in all things. As simple as it sounds, it's that old bracelet. What would Jesus do? What would Christ do? We need to listen to our Father in heaven. Do you remember, for some of you, your grandparents or your, your, your children have grown up to a certain age do you remember your, your children asking why all the time? <laughs> what was your response sometimes? Just because. Why does the Father in heaven say the certain things that he does? I think he's saying obey them, live holy just because. Don't ask questions. Sometimes you and I just need to follow Jesus just because we know it's the right thing to do. Living a holy life demands our obedience to God. Just like accepting Christ is a choice, living a holy life is actually a choice. Holiness is not, and if you hear nothing else today, you need to hear this. Holiness is not a list of do's and don'ts. Do not hear that. Satan will want to go, okay, you want me to give you the list of how many things that you're doing wrong? That is not of God. It's conforming to the character of God and being obedient to the will of God. What it means is every day I'm starting to catch more glimpses of who Jesus is. That's it. If you want to become more obedient, get your eyes fixed on Jesus. Don't start going, oh, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. That's what plagues us as Christians, is that list. Because at a certain point we go, I, can't, I'm, I give up, I can't do anything more. If you want to look at a, guy, a group of guys that were complete messes, look at the disciples. And the disciples planted the church that you and I are a part of today. Even though they barely understood what they were doing. 
In the same way, get your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Natural sequence to, to salvation is a new character, a new conduct, a new creation. The Holy Spirit working in us and submitting to his will. If you want a real practical way, and some of you need practical, real practical this, way, this week for you to do is this. Just pray this simple prayer. God, give me the eyes to see the things that you see. And when you're in the grocery store, when you're in the gas station, when you're somewhere where there are people, if you pray that prayer, you will see things that you just don't think you have the time to see. Because we want to live life selfishly. We want to live life our way. If we actually want to tune our heart to the channel that God's on, we start to go, okay, God, give me the eyes to see the things that you see, and I will start living those things. And God's still small voice actually becomes louder and louder because that's the only channel we hear. Before, there were iPhone apps that I could listen to the Oilers radio station. I'd have to turn on 6.30 Ched, have the antenna like tilted a certain way, touching my window in the basement of my room. You could barely hear Rod Phillips' voice. And it was effort. And a lot of times, that's what it feels like when we listen to God. It feels like, man, I'm getting every fourth word or fifth word or sixth word. Get your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, and that channel will get louder and louder. Keep doing things in your own strength. Keep adding that list of do's and don'ts. Like, i got to look a certain way. i got to do a certain thing. That channel will get even more confusing. Think for a second through three things that you did before you were a Christian. Or three things that you struggle with. Well, why are you still doing them? Well, it's because you're not ready yet to give them up. Make 2018 a year where you work to give those things up. The gift of salvation in Christ demands us to be holy. It's our only response. It's not we've got to work harder. It just it demands us to be holy. Let's look at the third one. The gift of salvation demands us to be grateful. Look at verse 17 through 21. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. That's not a scared. Reverence is going, God is amazing. I know I've talked a ton about the Oilers. Some of you are sick of me talking about the Oilers. At different points in my life, I had the opportunity to meet athletes. I remember meeting Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky signed a picture that I had him holding a Titan hockey stick. There was reverent fear there. I didn't want to say something stupid. I just wanted him to sign that for me to hold it, not drop it in the snow. Just make sure that this, this value to me was something that I could, I could look at years later. Sometimes when we have different individuals in this world, we have this reverent fear. It's not a scared fear. It's just a, whew, this is so-and-so. For us, 
That's what this verse is talking about. Look at verse 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver and gold, that you were redeemed. You weren't bought from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead, and glorified him, and so that your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified, cleaned yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord stands forever. Verse 18 and 19, our redemption, the opportunity we have gained to have a relationship with Christ, wasn't bought with earthly things. It was handed down. It cost somebody that perfect sacrifice. Verse 21 speaks of this future hope. That, that we have this hope in, in Jesus. Ephesians 1, 4, and 5 says this, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. In love, he predestined us to be adopted. Has that gift of salvation, that ultimate sacrifice for you and me, become something that we take for granted? Something we don't even remember? Has it just come routine? Until we don't have something, we really don't miss it. We can go for months without remembering the gift of salvation. I believe the gift of salvation, the ultimate gift of love, the gift that gives you and me the reason and hope for living must dictate how you and I live our lives. If you and I could get to a place, and this was my thought this week, if you and I could get to a place where our salvation is at the forefront of our lives, would it cause us to live a holy life? Would that holy life not be so elusive? Peter ends the theme of this chapter in verse 22. Before communion today, and this is the great way that God and his wisdom had the calendar work out. We have this great opportunity to celebrate this ultimate gift with these words, and Peter wrote them in verse 22. Now that you have purified yourself, as you've obeyed the truth, And you have a sincere love for your brothers. Love one another deeply from the heart. So today, let's purify ourselves and work to live a holy life. Guess what obedience to God gives us? It actually gives us a love for one another. Something we wouldn't imagine. As we, as a congregation, as a community, start to uh, obey what God has in store for us as a community then we start to love each other. We don't see the issues with each other. We don't see the the differences we have with each other. We see that there's a God who has great hope for us. And it what makes this church the city on a hill that can't be hidden. Are we that church? Let's pray. I'm going to ask as I'm praying that the people that are helping me out with communion would, would come up. We'll prepare ourselves for communion. Let's pray. God, thank you. I pray if I said anything that wasn't of you, you would take it from my friends' minds. If you used me in a small way to encourage my friends, 
Make it about the Holy Spirit that prompts, guides, and leads. We want to be used by you. We don't want this life to be something that we just have to work at and feel like we never succeed at. We know when our eyes are fixed on you, the author and perfecter of our faith, we are changed. We love you. We adore you. We worship you. We ask all this in your name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Renfrew Baptist Church, a community of faith that exists to create obedient followers of Jesus Christ who love God and love people.